0: listening to grassroots www.innovationstudios.com I am Marcus it's week 36 of the QA and uh, it's really really nice to have you on board um, again for some more questions on this fairly dreary sort of day today um, Weather somewhere just a quick weather report weather somewhere in between today there's not it's not that if it's sunny where you are let me know where you are and I'll see if I can get up there pretty quickly. Um, as usual, you've been sending your questions in to me, and as usual, I've had a lot of fun um, looking through them, and um, I'll, I'll have a lot of fun hopefully answering them. Um, and um, it's always good. Thank you very much for your subscriptions and for your continued support and for your messages as well. Um, and there are there are a few questions that I get asked that I don't answer on the air as well. Uh, not they're not rude or anything. I just don't. Um, you know, I. I, I do a few on the online as well. People ask me something and I fire off a quick answer. And sometimes I think, oh, I could have saved that one. But um, if you ask me something, I'll try and uh, reply as quickly as I can. So anyway, it's nice to have you on board. We've got some more questions this week. Without further ado, let's get on with them. I'm going to start with Sylvia. And Sylvia is in Basingstoke. My goodness me. Uh, I don't know whether I'm branching out, but uh, this is the great thing about the world these days. It's a much smaller place than it used to be when I was... First, starting out. So, Sylvia and Basingstoke. Hello, Marcus. What are the main signs that your voice is too old to sing? And is there an age when it's too late to train a voice? Um, hello, Sylvia. Um, in my experience, my my personal sort of experience of this, working with singers, it's never too late to train a voice. But as we get older and um, you know I think things about us change anyway, and the voice is one of the things that changes and um, I think what usually tends to happen is that your vocal range drops and um, so let's say that you know your highest note was a was like a high C um, then all of a sudden your your high your, your highest note becomes a high A and to get beyond that is a real stretch. So things kind of start closing up. It's to do with uh, the vocal cords. It's to do with the two kind of little flaps at the back of the, uh, at the back of the throat that uh, vibrate really, really fast as the sound comes out. And as, they, as you get older, they get a little bit drier. This is why uh, quite often when you, when you, you talk to and uh, I say old old people, um, if you're chatting to your granny in a care home, you'll find that her voice is a little bit more um, Bonnie Tyler than it used to be. It's a little bit more like that because the back of the throat seems to get drier as these two uh, flaps of—it's more than a couple of flaps of skin—but they get drier, and what happens is it, you you lose all of the big the bigness and the big power in your voice. Um, so if you're a singer, obviously. Um, if you've always done it, then the process is, I would say, slightly slower and your vocal range drops, so the high notes you can, you can hit are a lot lower than the high notes you used to be able to hit. Um, there are people out there like Shirley Bassey and um, Tom Jones and Mick Jagger who I, I don't know how they do it, because, and I'm a singing tutor and I don't know how they do it. I can only assume that it's just... Constant practice and constant working out, and I would say that in the case of maybe Mick Jagger's case, it's just um first of all he's always done it, but secondly I just think it's I feel like if you're a if you're a heavyweight boxer or a boxer of any of any weight, if you are absolutely you know absolutely freakishly fit at fifty five you could probably take on somebody 20, 25, 30 years younger than you because you've put that extra time in. So the only thing I could probably say is, is that maybe Mick puts so much time in. And although he's, he has lived the electric lifestyle, um, he actually looks after his voice in as much as he's always warming it up and he's always cooling it down. And uh, and probably he's had to do that more and more and more as he's got older. It's a bit like any athlete, fast bowlers or anything like that in cricket. You have to work harder when you're 38 to stay fit before you even bowl the ball than you do at 18 when you just rock up after a heavy night on the tiles and grab the ball and go and bowl. But when you're 38, and certainly if you're 48 and still trying to bowl fast, you're going to need to put more work in away from the field or away from the stage or away from the ring. And, um, you know, your workout ethic and working hard to build it up um, has to be so much more than it was when you were younger. And as you get older, the, the vocal cords seem to get drier, and they don't have the big sound that they used to have. Um, sometimes they just... they you, you say, For those of you who are old enough, you end up sounding a little bit like the granddad from Only Fools and Horses. You know, before Uncle Albert, there was the granddad, and the granddad was, oh, dear boy, all right. He just had... He didn't have any, you know, balls in the voice because... Um that that was it. He got older. Um I know it was an act a but but I'm just saying it it's that's how the voice kinda goes. So when the people are in care homes or when when you get to into your eighties and things like that, the voice c- doesn't just doesn't do what it can do when it's twenty five. Um but it isn't too late to train and to work with what you have. Because to be honest with you, Sylvia, you you never know you what you're capable of until you try. So if you are and i'm assuming um that you may be um it may be for you that you're trying to to sing or you may have joined a choir or something, go and join a choir and find your vocal range you still will have a vocal range and you still will have some songs that sound better than others um i've I've found that you can yeah you can train a voice you can work a voice and I've worked with um some people in their sixties who were really surprised by what they were able to do. Um, just with using the diaphragm and using the voice in the right way. But, um, yeah, I think it, it, it depends what you're aiming to do. I mean, let's be fair, um, Sylvia, if, if, and not in your case, but if somebody is maybe 75 looking to join an orchestra or looking to to do something, they're pretty much going and, and uh, joining... Um, another group of that sort of age group and, and performing songs that suit everybody. You know, it's very rare you're going to get somebody of 75, 76 wants to join a, a band of teenagers and go and rock out. Um, I think that that's something I'd like to see, to be fair. You know, you've got, like, the green hair and the and the Iron Maiden T-shirts and the pierced nipples and the pierced uh, nose piercings and, and the, the great big hole in the ear. And then you've got Ron at the front on his zither playing a couple of rock tracks and, and uh, playing Stacey's mum has got it going on. Um, so I think that's, that's a band I'd like to see. I might, maybe when I'm 76, I might uh, form one. But no, you you need to just explore it and to see what you're capable of. The first signs that your voice is too old to sing is that it's you, you're clearing your throat a lot more. Your voice is a lot drier. It doesn't have a, a, the, the, the power that it used to have uh, and the rasp that it used to have. And it doesn't have the clarity that it used to have, um, and you find that sometimes you have to push a little bit more to to uh, to hear it. And also, um, you you find that you don't hear your voice in the same way as you get older. I think it's uh, again in my experience, and 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 you can shoot me down if you want, but uh, in the experience, ch- chatting to people who were singers who were now sort of in their seventies and their eighties, and I've chatted to a few of them, they've said they don't hear your voice in the same way. Because your ears start to go. And when your ears start to go, you start hearing your voice as though you've got your fingers in your ears. So all of your S's and all of your P's and your Q's all of a sudden sound like that because you're hearing it um, almost as if you've got your fingers in your ears. So you suddenly think, I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't sound the way I used to sound. But you do. You just don't hear it the same way as you used to. And maybe your voice doesn't have the same amount of power. But it is never too late to try and to see what you're capable of, Sylvia. And I wish you all the best if it is you. Um, But whoever it is you're asking for, I wish him all the best. And thank you very much for your question. Uh, Steve. And Steve is over there in, let me just have a little look at this, Croydon. Um, I was at I was in Croydon, yes I was in um Hayland Park at one of the care homes there. Stephen Croydon, how do you cope when a band member is ill or lets you down at the last minute? Um, Steve, I don't think you can have a plan for that. I think um first of all it depends who your band member is. If it's your drummer, um and it's last minute, yeah, pretty much that's that's pretty tough. Um but if you're prepared, and if if you if you're playing covers and things like that, then I don't know. I mean, let's let's think of a scenario where your drummer lets you down. Um, literally, phoned you at six o'clock and says, "Don't feel very well. I've been sick. I'm all over the place, or whatever. You know, and I can't get there." Um, maybe it might be worth um, trying to, you know, even if the songs that you're playing. Um, if they're covers, maybe just get some backing tracks of them and have them so that if the worst comes to the worst, you could play the backing track and the three three other members would play along with those and sing live um, or, or you know or just get get the drums on a backing track, so you've got them coming out of speakers. So you need to have a plan. So if, for instance, you when your drummer joins, you say, okay, these are the songs we're doing. this is if you're a covers band, if you're original, is so that slightly different? But if you're a covers band, um, I think that um, sometimes if you had your, if you just get the drum tracks um, on uh, MP4 or MP, MP3 or whatever, um, and, and so you've got them to hand, and you think, okay, he's let us down a bit, but we've have his drum tracks with the counting at the start, it, or you get the backing tracks. There's so many places you can get just the drum tracks from for your songs, and you have a plan. Um, and I think sometimes if you're serious about this this uh, job, you need to um, try and have a plan for things like that. I think if it's an originals night and you're going to do a band showcase, you could probably get away with turning up and saying, okay, the drummer hasn't turned up, but the bass player's going to play and we're going to play on acoustic guitar and we'll do the songs in a slightly different way and see what happens. Um, when it's covers and people want to dance, I think sometimes you just have to have the tracks, backing tracks or, or drum tracks on um, on a mini disc or a MP3 player just to get yourself out of trouble. Um, and every so often, if you know that what you're going to play is pretty much what's going to be on that track, um, you can get through that way. If your bass player lets you down, um, I think you could, you probably could. Um, you probably could, depending on what the, the members of the band can do. If your bass player suddenly can't make it again, you could um, play the show. I mean, we used to work with a couple of duos where it was just a guitar and drums. We used to do sort of cabaret stuff. And they used to use a couple of bass bins, which used, which used to just add a lot of bass to the guitar. So, um, didn't really feel that anything was missing. Um, so sometimes you can do that. Um, I, I think you don't really know, Steve, until you're in that position. Um, the the other side of it as well is is I suppose the the further you get up the ladder in terms of how you uh, the circles you mix in, the more. Uh, accomplished musicians, you know, but the trouble is, once they're accomplished, they're usually working on a Saturday night. So you can't really say, "Oh, I'll, I'll give Steve a call," because you know he'll he'll be working, he'll be working, they'll be working. So anyone who's really good will be working, and you can't really approach somebody and say, "Could we? Could you learn our set as a standby in case we ever need you?" Because nobody's really going to want to do that if they don't get the job full full time there's a lot of depths out there. There's a lot of people that, you know, that end up depping for a band and I've done it myself just to help them out. If I've been around. Um, but my honest answer is if it's the drummer, then you've, you have the, you have the drums as a backup. If it's the singer, I don't know. I don't really know what you do. Um, I think, uh, it depends how many singers are in the band. Um, but I think most of the time, I don't think you can really know until you do that. Um, over the years, we've played shows, we to all played shows without a rhythm guitarist and, and singer. Uh, my brother, he had uh, Salmonella and we had to go and play the Friday night. But um, in that case, we played as a three-piece and and we were, we'd were we been playing for a few years. And we just said, we'll just change the set a little bit, um, play a couple of more of the acoustic ones. And, and uh, although when I went into a solo, the music kind of died a little bit behind me. I think the the music was still pretty tight and was still pretty solid. And and I've got a video of it and it came out all right. So, um, in that case, um, so if your drummer can't make it, if tracks on a, on a backing track, drum tracks on a backing track, which get you out of trouble. If uh, one of your guitar players can't make it, then the other guitar player is just going to have to play whatever he plays. Um, and, you know, get through it that way. Um, the other thing that, that's worth mentioning as well is, is that technically if you're going and um, playing a club and they're paying for a four-piece band and you turn up as a three-piece, you can't you can't claim um, the full money or at least you shouldn't. You should say, no, okay, look, there was only three of us so normally we go out at uh, 400 quid but tonight we'll do it for 300. We still earn what we were going to earn and you save 100 pounds because you didn't get what you... Had paid for so i think a lot of the time it's a case of you don't really know until you're tested and when you're tested is when you come up with answers and you find something and and steve it can go badly wrong but a lot of the time usually a a venue will thank you for turning up and still giving them something um it depends what time of the day if it's 10 o'clock in the morning you do all you can I mean, I've had, I've had things where someone's let us down at 10 o'clock in the morning and at 2 o'clock in the afternoon we were rehearsing through with somebody to play the gig that night. So we've played the whole show, you know, a couple of times that day. Um, so you you don't really know, but I think um, really, you know, you, th- there are ways, but you never know what you're going to get. So um, I think sometimes, until you're put on the spot, It's impossible to give an answer, but I can only say that you try and back up exactly as much as you can. Make sure that you know at least another member of the band knows the songs and can step in and sing something if if you ever get dropped in it. But um, I hope that you don't, Steve, and I hope that if you do, you always find a way, mate. God bless you. Thanks for your question. Do you have a song in your head? Turn your ideas into full songs. With a team of professional musicians, engineers and producers, we can turn even the simplest demo into full studio-quality recordings. Go to www.innovationstudios.com Sally in Vange. Hello, Marcus. My grandfather was a musician, and a very good one. But my father is completely tone-deaf. Can musical ability be inherited down generations? yes it can um i think in in my particular case um on when i when i think back to it i mean my my yeah my brother plays my my younger brother my youngest brother plays um but uh from my personal experience when i think about it i mean my mum my mum is tone deaf completely tone deaf my dad um was a good a fair guitar player and sung and, and the, the, he was our soundtrack when we were growing up because um, you put a radio on or something, but he'd sing silly songs and stuff like that. Uh, my granddad on dad's side was a drummer, which is where I get, I think where I get my tempo from. And uh, on my mum's side, they both, uh, both of her brothers, one was a guitar player and one was a bass player. Um, but as I've said before, and I, and, and I spoke to, um, I spoke to her on, um, Wednesday and Anna, Anna Reynolds who I've mentioned in a couple of previous podcasts um, doesn't really have any anybody really that she could think of that was, uh, as far as I'm aware that was uh, a gifted musician and yet she's picked up the guitar really taken to it so it can be inherited but it also can be discovered and, and you know you can suddenly surprise um, somebody with what you're able to do including yourself um, and uh, yeah I think it's the, the the, I don't think that people are always great musicians because their parents were, um, or their grandparents were. I think where where things like that tend to happen, um, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. Look, I'm not having a pop at anybody, okay? But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there. There are certain sports, and uh, mu- music is sort of uh, uh, goes along with this. But there are certain sports where There are a lot of people playing now on the strength of the surname that they have. All right, let's put that out there. Um, So you have a lot of players with a very similar surname to some big stars of the 80s. Now, are they any better than some of the other kids who don't have that name? Answer, no, they're not. All right, end of story. But they move in those circles and they move in those loops. So they they get that opportunity. Um, doesn't tend to happen as much in football, although you've got you know you've got your, your names that match. I'm not gonna name anybody because that wouldn't be fair. they you know, as far as they're concerned and as far as everybody looks at it, they've got their own merit. I'm just putting it out there that they have a similar or they have the same surname and because their dad played for it. But a lot of the cases, it's very rare, although there's one or two that I can think of, it's very rare that somebody is really, really successful and then their kids go on to be just as successful. They might move in the same circles, but they don't always, they're not always as successful. They're often successful in other things. You know, you've got your people who are legendary rock stars whose, whose kids become fashion directors or have their own brand of something or, you know, or, but they, they're very rarely ever as good. Or or because I think probably because they've got so much to live up to as well, maybe the extra pressure is on them. But I think a lot of the time that people are are thrust into the spotlight because of the surname that they have, um, and and don't have the tools because they haven't inherited everything that that was that came before them. Music is crafted, and it's you know to a certain extent it's born in you that you might react to to music a certain way and you might gravitate to a certain way it's easy for me to say because it's been my life and my career but likewise for me for, for every day that I've lived this job and I've and I've and I've loved it there are people out there that have just played two gigs in their life and never really cared for it and they're probably really great musicians but they just didn't care for it they just they just it wasn't something that they wanted to pursue and this is the thing that's always—I um, would say—played on my mind. That would be wrong, but it's always kind of um, bothered me in a way that there probably are people who, if they were to play chess, would be the greatest chess player that had ever been. But they never get exposed to it. And there might be people who have never played darts or never never bowled a cricket ball or even ten-pin bowling or anything who have never done it. But if they did do it. They would be absolutely so great at it. It's just that they never did it. And um, I know that they always say that things find you, but everybody has different skills. And I and I feel like when it comes to certain sportsmen, like legendary sportsmen, and, and, and when I say that, I mean people like Ronnie O'Sullivan, Babe Ruth, Don Bradman, um, uh, Stanley Matthews, these these legendary sports figures, uh, Steve Redgrave in Rowan, They are born to do what they do. End of story. They're born to do it. They didn't stumble across it. They're born to do it. That's it. They're absolutely so great. But there might have been somebody better than them who who just didn't move in the same circles and didn't pick up a, 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 I was going to say a pair of oars, but that sounds really... (laughs) <laughs> um, on a Saturday night um, who didn't pick up a, a set of darts or a snooker cue or a golf club or a cricket bat or, you know, they, they're probably just as good. So it's not always who you're related to that's important. It's what you're able to do. And in music, a lot of the time people get a little break because their surnames are very similar to somebody else's or the same as somebody else's who who'd made it 20 years before. But they very rarely outsell... The original artist they very rarely outsell their dad because what normally happens is their dad or their mum got there on merit they got there because they were good and they got there because they were gifted and then the kids got there because they had the same surname as them so people said oh this could be the next one and and fr- put them in the spotlight and it's very rare that they end up being better so Music can be inherited down to generations, and you can music the the gift of music can be inherited down the generations, and it can skip plenty of generations. Plenty of people I've met say, "Well, no, I know my I know my grandfather used to play a bit, you know," um, but they don't know where it comes from, and it, the reason they don't know where it comes from is because I don't think anybody does. It's just sometimes you stumble across something that you like doing and you and you enjoy, um, and it, you know, it's it, it, the same, same as all of these these sports and all of these things. A lot of the time, people are thrust into the spotlight just because they move in those circles when they're not, I don't think, on paper, really good enough. Um And and it proves that. There are very few, um let's say, yeah, i was going to do it. I'm not having a pop, but I'm just going to do it. There are very few Bothams or Martin Jenkins or Gattings who are all playing, by the way, or playing or have played county cricket, never played for England. So they never actually lived up to the name that they had, which um, I don't know whether that's the point of your of your original question, by the way. But um, the, the thing is with that is that a lot of the time um, music's inherited as um, a gift. And um, Or found as a gift or discovered as a gift. And it's got to come from somewhere, but nobody really knows. Music comes from the soul, it comes from inside you. But it helps if sometimes um, people around you move in those circles. And if you do think of anybody else who's been just as successful as their parents, um, then please let me know. Because at the moment, I can't really think of anybody that's uh, gone on to... I can think of loads of people who, who um, got the job because of that. But I can't think of many of them who sold as many records. So, uh, you know, let me know if I'm wrong on that. But um, at, at the moment, I don't feel like I am. But I'm not I'm not righteous. I'm, I'm happy to be wrong on that one. Thank you very much for your question. Val. Val, Val in Bromley. Harmonica, kazoo, cymbals. Have you ever been tempted to be a one-man band? Oh, no, I couldn't carry that stuff around with me, Val. Um, no, I, I love, I, I've always loved that. Well, no, no, I can't say I've loved it. Um, but I've always admired people that did that. Um, I feel that I am a one-man band in as much as I have my loop pedals and I'm able to do things with a guitar and and uh, fill in the st- So I'm, I'm kind of a one-man band like that, in that I put the drums on there. and um, So I, I kind of am a one-man band um, when it comes to performing anyway. I've got other instruments that I'm putting through and looping, or other sounds, but no i don't I don't know but I think a kazoo is probably one of the most annoying um sounds that there is, and I'm sure it has its place, but what bothers me about playing a kazoo would be being attacked by sort of two hundred mallards whilst I was halfway through brown eyed girl um so yeah, I don't know if um I don't know if it's something that I'd necessarily want to explore, and also it involves a lot of coordination and um i, I just don't know I admire people that do it. But, um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's it's really for me. But uh, thank you for your question, Val. I appreciate it. And if you do it or try it, let me know how you get on. Uh, Susan doesn't say where you're from, Susan. Is it ever okay to abandon a show partway through because you're playing badly or the crowd are rowdy or should you battle on to the bitter end? It's, It's right. Okay. It's okay to abandon a show if the crowd are getting out of control. All right you may not get paid but it's okay to abandon a show um i've had this we've we've played shows and then we've suddenly had to say you know we have to stop because it's getting too too silly out there um i don't think i've ever abandoned the show because i'm playing badly or because i'm singing badly um doesn't work like that you you do whatever you can and if you've got enough songs in your in your set then you should be able to find, uh, you know, the, I've said this before, if you're, if you're singing badly, you can always take the songs down a key. There are ways. And you don't, it's very rare that you, fa- you find out halfway through a show that you're singing badly or your voice isn't there. You usually find out in the afternoon or in the morning. You wake up, and you think, I don't feel too great today. If you wake up in the morning, and you don't feel too great. Your voice doesn't feel right. It's very rare that it's going to be right by past eight that night. So think about your plan. Go into your, get your computer, get your laptop. Get your tracks. Take them all down a step. Take them all down a tone. Take the pressure off yourself. If you're working in a band, it's slightly different. Um, but I think you find a way. Um, if you're playing badly, then you shouldn't be there. All right? You know, you should. You, there are nights when, it, when you have off nights. People won't, you, you won't, very rarely get booed off stage for for playing a few bum notes. If you're playing badly, then you shouldn't be there. Um, but when it comes to the crowd getting in rowdy, I've I've been there, I've, I've I've seen it, and I and I've done that, and I've said, you know, we've usually we've we've taken a break and then gone back on twenty minutes later once it's calmed down because you'll always get, we've had things where there's a fight or it kicks off or if um, to this I've not had much thrown at me, I've had um, I've had, I had a pint of beer thrown over me at a club gig once as i was playing a solo and i don't know why to this day i don't know why but literally just threw it over me as i was playing um which obviously with electric and everything up there was pretty dangerous but um yeah that was and i think i just said no i'm taking a we're just going to take five minutes let you calm down because this is getting silly and we used to play a place in bristol called the tunnels which sadly isn't there anymore um not because of us i mean we we closed down far better venues um but that isn't there be- just because they it, it was it was bought out but when we used to do that we used to do 2 hours straight and in the end we used to do um i think it was 50 minutes and then take a 10 minute 15 minute break and then do another 50 minutes because we found that the break would just give people that opportunity to step away from the the, the silliness and the craziness and although it meant that when we went back on again we didn't have the same atmosphere um it was just a case of, um, you know, just, just taking a break and letting people calm down, which usually we do that. We will normally say, look, we're going to go off for five minutes, just let it calm down a bit and we'll be back. And I've played shows where there's been a fight at the back and I've said, you know, look, we're going to take, take five minutes, all right, just get this all sorted out and we'll be back. People will forgive you if there's a big fight, because to be fair, everybody's watching the fight anyway and nobody's watching you. So it's okay to to abandon a show part way through if the crowd are rowdy. Because you don't have to put yourself at risk for any amount of money, all right? You don't, if you feel, um, I remember, this is, it's not funny ha-ha, but it kind of is ironic. Playing a show years ago at, uh, in Eltham, and there was a big fight. There was uh, two two groups of football supporters in there, and, and you, could, you could tell it was going to kick off, you know? I mean, I don't know why it is, but you're the band. You walk in at half eight at night, or eight o'clock at night, ready to go on at nine. I could walk into any pub, and I mean this, any pub in the UK at any time and tell you who I think is going to be trouble at the end of the night. And 99 times out of 100, I'm going to be right. So why don't the bloody landlords see it? They never see it. They just keep serving them and, and let, letting them pour more in, as my old man used to say. And so they can't even stand. And yet I look at him and I think he's going to be trouble later on. And they always are. So the, I could see it was going to happen. I said to Ken who I was working with, there'll be aggro here. And it was a Christmas gig, so it was about the 19th, the 20th of December. And at the end of the night, we were playing our last song. And then as we finished, um, or getting towards our last song, we were playing something, and then we we stopped. There was a big off, and I said to Ken, just let it calm down and we'll go back on. Because one of these football supporters, I don't know what had happened, had sung some song about the other ones. It, oh, I don't know, it was war, right? And we're in the middle of it. And there was a moment in that, a moment of clarity, when I looked down, and there's two blokes rolling about on the floor, and one of them gets the other one, and got he's got his hand, got him in a headlock, and he bangs his head against one of our monitors. And as he did it, "Pipes of Peace" by Paul McCartney was playing on our backing track. So you've got the sight of these two Neanderthal blokes dragging their knuckles around rolling about on the floor, fighting, throttling each other on our monitor, and Pipes of Peace was playing. So how about that? There's irony for you. So And then they said, you know, we still had 20 minutes to go. And I said to Ken, I'm out of here. And the the landlord come over and said, you know, let it calm down and go back on. I went, no, no, I'm sorry. We No, they've, they've been rolling around. They've been too near to our stuff, too near to our equipment. So I said, we're going to take our money and we're going to go. And he didn't say, well, you're not going to get your money, are you? He just said... Yeah, okay, I understand that. Um, he was all right about it, but it could have been. In the, in the end, you look at it and you think, if I stay on stage for another 25 minutes here with this riot going on, all that's going to happen is I'm going to earn maybe 150 quid, but I could lose 1,500 quid's worth of equipment, which by my reckoning puts me 1,350 pounds down because I decided to give these people who didn't deserve it the last 20 minutes of entertainment. When they were making their own entertainment, but rolling about on the carpet and beating the hell out of each other because one supported Charlton and one supported Tottenham or something like that. Anyway, I'm not not dissing those two teams by the way, so just don't don't come looking for me. But that's what it can be like. And um, yeah, I mean, when when if if you if you're if you're playing badly, you shouldn't be there. If you battle on to the bitter end, you have to weigh up the prices of your equipment against what might happen. As soon as there's an off, you've got every right to say, thanks a lot, good night. Um, and you, it may mean you don't get your money. But you know what? If you don't get your money, look at the equipment that you've got and weigh it up against whether or not that equipment could get ruined. This is why I don't let people sing. This is why I don't let people step on the stage. This is why we like to have security, if we can have it, to keep people off of the stage. Because it's not... That we're against whether people want to get up and sing we're against what they might do when they're up there and what they might damage and it doesn't matter there's no amount of money i don't care how good you are but at this level you're not going to make enough in one night to cover the cost of your guitar your amp your pa and the drum kit if it kicks off and you carry on going and then they end up with a because i tell you what some people don't care where they're fighting they don't care where they're rolling and if they blow up your monitor that's three or four hundred quids worth you ain't earning 400 quid for a night. I don't care who you are, you know, at this level. And and even if you do, you've then got 400 quid plus probably 100 quid to get your monitor fixed plus 40 quid petrol to drive there to get it fixed. You're looking at five 600 quid because you decided to, to carry on to the bitter end and give them the last 20 minutes. You know, if they're going to behave like that, they don't deserve it. So I'm not a diva or anything like that, I've played plenty of shows where I've felt like, oh my God, I just want to get this over with. But there's a point where if you feel threatened in any way, you know, the the truth of it is there are signs in every pub, there are signs in every bank, there are signs in every shop. You know, please, if the staff feel threatened in any way, please do not threaten our staff in any way. Well, I am doing my job. And if you're threatening me physically, not threatening me to my face, but if I feel threatened by a situation, I ain't earning enough to deal with it. So, I, I look at it and I think, no, that'll do. I'll let them fight it out, but um, no, that, that, that's enough for me. Anyway, um, I hope that answers your question, um, and I hope that you are never in that particular position. Thank you for your question. Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer songwriter to take their journey to the next level. whether that be starting at the basics of building a solid foundation on your first instrument learning the best ways to perform your first open mic or refining your current set with an experienced performer or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. With soundproof walls and perfect ambience and acoustics our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft hone their skills and begin producing music. Check out what we have to offer throughout our website go to www.innovationstudios.com Jason from Kingston on Thames, hi Marcus. How important is it to have a monitor? Um, mm, it depends what you're used to, Jason. Um, I think, in fairness, if you if you've sung, I mean, yeah, when I first started, because of the space on stage and uh, from where we from where we stood, um, a lot of the time. Um, i trying to think how to explain it. The, the, the noise we were making, the vocals, you could usually hear them bouncing off the back wall and it wasn't terrible. Um, but I think in, in the case of the duo, I'll I tell you where the monitor comes in probably most useful. I mean, obviously, if you're in a band and you've got the space, have a monitor because you can hear what you're singing and you can have um, a mix in that monitor, which is everything that you want it to be. So no matter where you stand you have a nice um, ambience of sound. Where the monitor comes in useful is when we work together in the trio or the duo. And what happens with that is that um, we can go and play somewhere where they don't want it too loud. Um, so what we do is we, put the, the, we have two EVs and they, and they point out, uh, I think they're 12s, cabs. And then we have a Mackie monitor on the floor which points back at us, which we have fairly loud. It's not deafening, but it's fairly loud. So we get quite a loud sound in our in our faces, which of course makes us want to sing more. We get a nice mix and we can hear everything we're playing, but the sound actually traveling outwards to the audience can be kept at a fairly low level. So whenever we played somewhere where um, we wanted it to be, but well, they didn't want it loud, um, then we, we've had the monitor quite loud pointing up at us. Um, when it's hard is when you don't have a monitor and you need to be quiet because you can hardly hear the count-ins on the tracks if you're using them. You can't hear your own voice. There's a bowls club that we play that years ago we played um, without a monitor and I walked out, I had a wireless mic and I walked out from the stage and I went out of time. I got about six foot from the stage and I had to walk back to find out where it had gone because I couldn't hear the track. And um, So in that, in that case, to have the monitor on the stage pointing back at you you can have it, I'd say fairly, fairly loud, but you have it a lot louder than the speakers that are facing that way because the sound is in a completely different direction. And what that also does, actually, by pointing a monitor that back this way and putting it on the floor, is adds a little bit of low end, a little bit of bass to stuff as well and tidies everything up. So we find, um, when I work in the duo, that it's important to have a monitor just because if, if you are trying to stand on stage and the speakers are not very loud... Um, that you you can't hear what you're singing but having a monitor on the floor you can hear what you're what you're singing and where your cues are and where your tracks are if you're using backing tracks when you're in a band sometimes it's nice to have a monitor because you can't hear your voice over the 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 noise that's on stage i'd say if if somebody held a gun to my head i would say it's more, far more important to have a monitor than it is to not have one where there isn't any space sometimes you you can angle the speakers in a little bit so that as a front man, you stand there and you can just hear a little bit from both sides. But I think if you can get a monitor of any description, just so you can um, hear what you're playing or hear what you're singing, just just for you, then yeah, it's important. It's important that you have it. I think um, they're very affordable as well, and you only need like a self-powered one that would sit there. And I know that technically um, sometimes that they, they, they can they can get trodden on or kicked or moved when people are going a bit crazy but they're also sometimes a useful little barrier you can put one in front of the microphone and it just means that people can only get you know within sort of a couple of foot of you if you've got a couple of monitors there um so they can be useful e- even for that but um the great thing about the monitor again is that you can have any levels you want um in you know you can you can have the sound exactly how you want it Usually, when we're playing in the band, we just want to hear everything. We played um, the cavern once, and we just had a mix of everything in the monitors. Must have had seven or eight monitors across the front of the stage. And the sound was just off the chart. You could hear everything. Um, and it wasn't the mush that you normally hear when you're stood behind the speakers. That That's sometimes the hardest thing as well. When you're stood behind the speakers, you can't always hear the key um, because you're behind it. So it's important to have a monitor. Um you know, these days, it's in ear monitors. A lot of people using those a lot more. I've, I've made my opinion fairly clear on that, which is I'm I'm old school and I don't want to do that. Um, but where they where they really come into their own is when you can be nice and loud from where you stand, but the sound that's travelling the other way out to the audience isn't too loud. So I think that's um, that's where they come into their own. But how important it is, it's not vitally important if you're playing an acoustic show and, a, and you can you can usually hear yourself anyway um but it is um important that you carry one um for a, for a plethora of reasons um but mostly just so you can have the sound exactly how you want it um right that about wraps it up this week thanks very much it's just started raining as well so i hope this doesn't stay for the rest of the rest of the day for the kids that are off school i hope you're having a nice summer holidays um i'll be back next week um for week 37 i think q a keep your questions coming in i've got a little back backlog of a few that i've had over the last couple of weeks which i'll probably get through next week along with a few new ones um thank you for your support thanks for being me mate and thanks for subscribing and for following me on instagram my instagram is Inst- innovation studios Um, You can find the podcast on Spotify. You can find the the podcast on uh, iTunes. You can find it on Apple Music. You can find it on SoundCloud. There's uh, Podcast FM, I think it is, or Podcast Player. Anywhere where there's um, streaming media, you can find it. Um, Twitter, I'm Innovation Studios. Facebook, there's a Grassroots Music UK and an Innovation Studios page. Um, If you want to follow me on Instagram, as I said, it's Innovation just just type in Innovation Studios, www.innovationstudios.com for further information. And I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening in, all right? Uh, you take very, very good care of yourselves. Yours in Music, signing off. Bye-bye for now.